Hey, Matt. Mark, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Not much. Long time no speak. Yeah, Jesus. It's been, it feels like it's been a long time. Jeez, what have you been up to? Well, uh, I tried to take a vacation, uh, and then I got COVID, so (laughs) that worked out lovely. That's a great way to force a vacation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was... (laughs) Uh, it, it COVID lives up to its reputation, as you, as you probably know very well. Um, yeah, I was. We were supposed to go to the. Well, we went to the Okanagan. <laughs> it's about a four-hour drive away, a ferry plus four hours. Uh, I, an incredibly beautiful place. I, I didn't know what I was going to expect. Or I didn't know what to expect. I should say, but wow, just an incredibly beautiful spot. I was there for. Uh, we went out Monday, we got there Monday night, we had one day on Tuesday. By Tuesday night, I was like, oh, I'm, I have a little bit of a cough, I'm sure it's fine. And then I was up all night with like a terrible fever, and I had a fever for like four days. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, what was supposed to be a restful vacation was like me laying in bed wanting to die. <laughs> yeah. But I'm feeling a lot better. Uh we we ended up coming back. We were supposed to have a couple days in Vancouver, but my wife and I were both sick, so we we just hoofed it back to uh, back to Victoria. And I was on my back for another week, so I wasn't back to work until you know Thursday of last week. I was I was a wreck, and even now, like I'm back to I'd call it like ninety five percent. I feel pretty fine, uh, but I just got a residual cough that I'll have for I'm sure I'll have for six weeks or something. It's uh, that's typical for me. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So you did. You did nothing, right? I did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I did absolutely nothing. Well, that, that's actually good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Like it, it was kind of nice to just like lay on the couch and watch TV and read and just kind of kick around. That was nice. Um, but yeah, it would have been a little nicer if I hadn't been so goddamn sick. But uh, you know, so yeah, I did ended up not getting much done. I didn't do any client work. I didn't do any real work for myself. I spent a little bit of time on the internet, just kind of like thinking things through, but yeah, nothing really, nothing really to write home about. Um, yeah. So, so that was lovely, but I'm back to, I'm back into general society now. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about giving people the plague. <laughs> so that's good. <clears throat> have you, well, so I listened to the episodes with uh, Noah and Xavier, they were great. Cool. Solid okay. episodes. Uh, other than interviewing people and making up for my slacker attitude. Uh, how are things? How have you been? What have you been up to? Well, it's it's funny that you went to the, the Okanagan region because that's where uh, Justin Jackson lives, right? In yeah, Vernon. he lives in Vernon, yeah. Yeah, because that, that's who I hung out with last week. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he, he, uh, he said he was coming to Montreal, right? Yeah, exactly. The whole mm. transistor team that it was their like their yearly get together. Okay. So they they picked Montreal, I guess, because it's like midway between BC and the UK. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it was. It's the first time that I meet Justin Jackson, so that was really interesting. Cool. To you know, a voice that I know so well, like <laughs> sure <laughs> that I've heard on the podcast so often, and now like meeting in real person. Mm-hmm. But it was cool. Like we met a bunch of other podcasters and uh, makers because it was, I guess it was like a lot of transistor customers or okay. uh, mega maker members. Right. Like that's pretty much who was invited. Okay. So yeah, so I met some cool people. Yeah. And uh, I've been 
brainstorming ideas for like podcast businesses now. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, because you know, because Transistor has um, has an API, mm. so you know, because of all my experience with Power and Porter, like the second someone has an API, I'm there. What can I build? Ooh, yeah, what can I build <laughs> on top of you? Yeah. Uh, what was the? Was it just like a meetup? Um, what's he like? Yeah, no, no, it's great. He, he's a great guy. He's you know super super extroverted and chatty. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it was it was basically it was just lunch. Like, okay, I went to two different lunches, so it was very two different very different crowds. Okay, but uh, yeah, it was just chatting. Cool. Very like very casual. Didn't it did not feel like a like a business lunch, like being sold to or <laughs> Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no, no. It was just fun. Just meet some people and have some good food in the old port. Sweet. So yeah, so so yeah, I've been look looking at the API more closely and <laughs> unfortunately like the API is is sort of hidden and it's not it's not super documented and just okay. there's a lot of endpoints that you have with the platform that don't seem to be in the api yet i see so but i did come up with a few ideas i don't know maybe we could talk about them on the podcast yeah we should <laughs> tell me all your tell me all your ideas well because because you were gone and i recorded two episodes and you usually do all the editing and writing the show notes and mm-hmm. And I take it for granted. <laughs> so <laughs> when I had to do it, I was like, "Shit, this is a lot of work." And, and uh, you know, like I mean, the, the putting together the MP3 that you upload is mm. easy enough. Like, it, yeah, it was a little harder because each one of my guests had different like audio. So yeah, like trying to make sure everyone's at the same volume is different for mm-hmm. each one. But uh, but that's but that's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to do. Like I, I, I would yeah. not pay someone to do that for me. Like it seems like a lot. They're, well, first of all, podcast producers are super expensive. It doesn't seem like I would really pay for that. But writing the show notes, I was like, I was starting to think maybe I would pay someone to do that because yeah, because I, I wanted to do a good job, like to really summarize everything we talk about, to mm-hmm. get all those words in the show notes. So if people are searching for specific topics that we covered they'll find the episode yep but you know it requires like listening to the whole episode mm-hmm. so right there i thought well if i had to transcript transcripts i think it'd be a lot faster to write a summary mm. and and also like you know like when you publish the episode i want to be able to <coughs> sorry i want to be able to like to to, to do marketing so like yeah. to to write a, a twitter thread about it or or a summary on the, in that could go to forum. Mm-hmm. So I was like, <coughs> "What if I could have a tool that does both? Like, <laughs> yeah, where I can write the show notes as a Twitter thread. Mm. So I write a Twitter thread, and it would generate a show notes for me from the Twitter thread, and mm. then the tool could schedule the thread mm. and automatically, as the last last tweet in the thread, insert the link to the episode. Right. So like. So that was like the first version I had for a very small, like micro SaaS. Like mm-hmm. basically it just forces you to to write a thread and then transform that thread into show notes. Mm-hmm. So like, so if you're at mentioning someone on Twitter, well, in the mm-hmm. show notes, it would instead put a link to their Twitter bio yeah, and pull maybe their name from their bio instead of just seeing their handle. Yeah. Th- so just drawing on like the experiences that I've had from this podcast, 
I mean, promoting podcasts is really hard. This is something they talk about on My First Million a lot. Like, growing podcasts is hard. Um, so anything that helps you to publicize your work seems like a very good investment. Right. Because it's true, right? Like, when I think about it, – it's funny. Like, when I think about show notes, I don't necessarily think of them as, like, really important. I mean, maybe they are. I, I don't have a good sense of uh, – I don't have a good sense of, like – is it getting us traffic? Is it sending traffic to the right places? Like, to be honest, I'm not measuring it, so I can't know, but I've never looked at podcast show notes. I don't think ever. Oh, really? Yeah, never. Okay. So well, that's, when I that, think... That's good to know because <laughs> I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm a person that always looks at the show notes like okay. to decide if I'm going to listen to the episode because I, I have such a long backlog. That yeah. I, I'm very liberal in the, the podcast that I subscribe to, but... I'm very picky when it comes to actually listening to episodes. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. Like there's so much content out there that, yeah, like why invest time in something kind of randomly? Yeah. I mean, like at all times, I have about like 50 hours of podcasts in my backlog. (laughs) It's so funny. Like I I religiously call my uh, backlog of podcasts. It's like, oh, I haven't listened to that in a few weeks. Unsubscribe. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. No, I I still... because I because I read the show notes, it's like it, it becomes really easy to just browse through it. Okay, what do I want to listen to next? Right. And yeah, if I read the show notes and ah, uh, you know, uh, it's a guest that that is it I don't relate to. Like it's a founder mm-hmm. that I, they're in a different place in their journey that I don't relate to at all. I'll just skip it. Sure. So no, I use I use show notes as a listener. So okay. and I love when people put timestamps in their show notes. Sure. There's a lot of podcasts that are very long that I listen to. And yeah, I'll just use this timestamps to jump to the section that interests me. But yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. But that's a lot of work and that I would not be willing to do that myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I like the idea that you're, it makes more sense to go from tweet to show note than it does to, from show note to tweet of yeah. that. Like think about the marketing of the podcast first. Because I could totally see like, yeah, having the transcript or something there and then using that or various tools that like do text shortening or things like that to try to get an idea of this is what's happening or this is the context of what's happening and having that help to fuel your show notes. Well, that's it. I mean, I was thinking, you know, for a very simple first version, just to measure if if there's a market for this, if people are willing to pay. Yeah. It's really just it's just a way for you to help you compose the, the tweet. Mm-hmm. The, the Twitter thread, yep. and then it takes takes it and generates the show notes for you. Yep. So right, so you don't so you don't have to do the actual writing of the show notes. The, yep. the tool will do that for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first version could use could use transistors API for for posting that. Sure, right. Yeah. I mean, just I think just that is is a tool that I'd be willing to pay for. So and then of course you build on top of it. Then you can do automatic transcripts and that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you can start generating some of the tweets right. using GTP3. Or- yeah, using some of these text engines. Sure. <clears throat> but the very like the the very MVP is just just a Twitter thread com- composer that will mm. generate the show notes. Sure. And then you can and you can schedule the the thread like you've mm. composed it all and just schedule it to come out when the episode is published. Yeah. And automatically. When- the share link from transistor to the bottom of the thread. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just thinking about it from a marketing standpoint, 
having something that makes it a lot easier to talk about the work that you've been doing or to highlight the really special stuff. I mean, that's really useful. Yeah. I mean, cause, cause yeah, we have subscribers and I'm super thankful for that. And you know, like and we have enough for them that I get value from podcasting. Like I'm happy, mm-hmm. right? We're yeah. not trying to monetize it. So we're not trying to grow it, mm-hmm. but you know, like I, I have a guest over and we talked about 10 different things. Mm. Uh, it feels like if I summarize those 10 different things in a thread, then the guest might share it. Right. And some of their followers might look at the thread and go, oh, I'm interested in topic number three that they talked about. Yeah. Then they'll come and listen to the episode or subscribe. To, so like, it seems like I'm doing the guest and myself a service by doing this. Mm-hmm. And the same could be true for our episodes. Like We talk about so many different subjects in one episode. But often, oh, yeah. you know, we don't summarize it all. We just, you know, we just, right now we just write the show notes for people who are already subscribed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I do the show notes, I definitely don't put in timestamps, but yeah, I try to pull out, especially in the descriptions, like trying to, I, I, maybe that's more of what it is. Like I link to specific things we talk about, but I put most of my effort into the description. What are the meta things that we're talking about in two sentences or less? Right, exactly. And yeah, and like, what are the key discussions that we have? That's it. It's it's more just just to identify the episode. Like, so if you, mm-hmm. everyone ever wanted to, oh yeah, I listened to an episode. Which one was it? They could scan through it and mm-hmm. find it again. Oh yeah, it's this one. Yeah. But otherwise, our show notes are pretty lean. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to time box the creation of the actual episode to be like. You get 45 seconds to come up with a title and then another 45 seconds to do everything else. And right. that's it. Yeah, I know exactly. But that's it. Like the, Because they were guests, I was trying to, to yeah. put more effort into it. And Totally. But yeah, but it required me to listen to the whole episode. Man. I was listening to, to them at uh, like 4X speed. <laughs> Can you even understand what they're saying at 4X? No. no okay, I, I, I was going to say. So, it's so fast. But at least I get, I get to recognize, oh, yeah, okay, this is a new subject. And I could slow mm. down. Uh, yeah. And then then the subject would come back to me. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm. I could pause it, right? Write sure. the summary because I, I remember at that point. And then, mm. yeah, resume at 4X. And, sure. But uh, it was funny. It was also like very high pitch. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was using M player and it doesn't, it doesn't adjust the pitch when it speeds yeah. it up. So it was like an episode of the Chipmunks. Yeah, like the in in uh, in inaudible chipmunk of just like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. It's it's not the best process, but it worked. Yeah, totally. But but it's still time consuming. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, my other idea was just to have a productized service where someone does it all. Mm-hmm. Like I said, like you you can hire a producer, but those are super expensive. So if we you know mixed the audio ourselves and produce the mp3 ourselves mm-hmm. but then pay someone to write the tweet thread the show notes mm-hmm. maybe even multiple tweet threads right maybe mm-hmm. each subject that we talked about is worthy of its own thread yeah oh i mean that like i could totally see upsells of something like that to be like you know there's there's the episode itself there's the distillation of the episode itself and then maybe you want to go deep on specific topics uh, depending on how much depth there there was in the episode. Yeah. I mean, there's so much more that we could be doing too. We could be packaging it as a YouTube video. Uh, Oh yeah. Like I can think of a million things that like, yeah. So, I mean, 
where this gets a little bit into like the audiogram territory and like i don't love audiograms but the idea that like oh you have a, a little you have a snippet or you have something you want to share and that snippet has its own open graph image it has its own relevant open graph image so it's like oh I, like i could totally see <laughs> creating a palette of images like there's like 10 different emojis that you can have and it's like all right matt take a picture of yourself smiling and sad and angry and confused and then like having spitting out correct open graph images to uh to like coincide with the with the tone of the topic things like that uh having things be really shareable that way um and yeah like having an open graph image correspond to like that with to that timestamp. Um, that timestamp could exist on its own as a YouTube video or maybe within a player. Like, yeah, I can think of a bunch of different ways to right. to address that. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's some big podcasts that I listen to. And when I look at their show notes, you see that they put a lot of effort in the show notes. They put the timestamps, so all the subject they talk about. Hmm. A lot of them do a lot of stuffing also, like just yeah, like My First Million does it and Tim Ferriss mm-hmm. also they post a list of previous episodes at the bottom of the show oh, yeah. notes. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Is that for SEO purposes or mm. like, I, like, I don't know. Like, yeah. do, do people actually go in the show notes and then go, Oh, that, that episode, that previous episode looks interesting. And then they click it and mm-hmm. I don't know, but they're doing it. They must be doing it for a reason. Yeah. It's, in, it's interesting to think about the production aspect of this. And it's like, it seems like there's different tiers of the level of production that you're willing to go through of like show notes and marketability. Just if you have somebody who's going to listen, who's willing to go back and listen to the episode at 1x speed and say, all right, I need to create, I need all the high level topics. And then maybe I want to go deep on some topics and I want to have corresponding timestamps for all of them. Like that could be, I mean, I don't know what you would charge for something like that. But I wonder who would be willing to pay for something like that. Because like, for example, what does a podcast look like or a a podcast who's ready to invest in something like this? Like, what do they look like? Do they need to be making money? How much money? How much would you need to charge for something like this to have it be profitable and worth your time? Yeah. Because you could definitely do something like this with a VA, I'm sure. A reasonable VA, as long as you're like, here are the list of things that I need you to do, depending on the types of content that you want to output. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, you could definitely do it with a VA, but you, you'd have to teach your VA a little bit about your niche, right? Yeah. You know, like if, you know, if I say during the podcast, I mentioned John from Banner Bear, mm-hmm. like most of our listeners know what I'm talking about, but right. the average person probably has no idea what we're talking about. Like, sure. But I mean, that's, that's just going to be, I guess that's just going to be like part of the cost of doing business. Like, that, that VA is going to message you and be like, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, and- exactly. That's it. That's what I'm assuming. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll ask questions and then that'll become like a wiki with all the, mm-hmm. the subjects that are in our niche that our listeners know about. And yeah. 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 I find it very funny to talk about show notes because like I just don't use them at all <laughs> ever. So like I, but it makes perfect sense, right? Like the idea of like, let's, if I take it from the position of let's talk about how do you market a podcast? then to me, that definitely sells more the value of something like this. Like, because that seems to be something that people struggle with in general. I'm like, let us help you market your podcast. 
because it's a hard problem. People don't know how to do it. it it's time consuming, yeah. especially when you think about what needs to be shared, like even with audiograms and stuff like that. Like that is not, let's say audiograms worked amazingly well. Um, if they did, then you still have to go and find the spots that you want to turn into audiograms. Like it doesn't make it any, it doesn't make it easy. It just creates a sh an artifact. Um, yeah, it's a lot of work to put stuff like that together. I mean, it's a really good point of how much people are going to pay because, because yeah, like our podcast is not monetized and it's fun. Yeah. So, but how much are you willing to pay to <laughs> to market it? Because yeah. it's 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 fun the way it is now with the the size audience we have, and it's you know it's still slowly growing, so mm -hmm. it's not discouraging. It's not like oh shit, we're, our audience is shrinking. Yeah. But that's why I was thinking of that micro SaaS. Like yeah, that's. Something that I think I could sell cheaply, or maybe if the audience, you know, my my custom, my target customer is a someone who produces podcasts. Well, then yeah, they'd be willing to pay to generate show notes for multiple shows. Totally, yeah, because if they're very good at acquiring customers, but yeah, I guess it's like how <laughs> maybe that's part of the question here of like who is it easier to get in front of people who have podcasts and want to pay for services or people who are supplying services perhaps the latter i mean anybody who is willing to show you an ad when you google something is probably somebody that you like if you were to google oh podcast productions or something you're probably going to get a fistful of ads on the first page of google and you're like excellent there are five people that i can begin approaching <laughs> right or even going on fiverr like go on fiverr and have a i don't know create something so that you can um uh, create a service that people can tap into and be like, oh yeah, I'd love to have timestamps in my my show notes, that kind of thing, tweets. Well, I'm sure that, yeah, I'm sure <coughs> a bunch of people in Fiverr that are already doing these things, right? Mm -hmm. Potentially. But it's just the idea of like having having a service because the, the problem with Fiverr is that you don't know what you're getting. Like, you know, yeah. is this person dependable? Mm -hmm. and okay, I like it, but then next week I need to do the next show notes. Are they going to be available? Yeah. Do I have to start all over again, find someone new? Like, hmm. But I mean, it speaks to, I'm just thinking out loud that it, it speaks to the pain of the problem. You have people that are willing to go out and be like, I am Googling a solution to this, or I'm going to find a solution to this because this right. problem matters so much to me. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Like it's, it's a kind of thing where just the micro SaaS part, I'd be willing to build just for myself. Sure. So I guess that'd be one way of doing it. Just build it myself, see if it makes a difference, like, yeah, does it make a difference to write tweet threads mm -hmm. that summarize your episodes and then schedule them to come out at yep. the same time as the episode? Absolutely. Be yeah. A, a, use study, a case study that you could share. I mean, how awesome would that be? Like, I love case studies. They're my favorite of just being able to say like, oh yeah, a business, like a business just like yours or a podcast with this many listeners or whatever. And this kind of Twitter presence, they started doing this and then all of a sudden they started seeing results that look like this. Like, that could be you. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> I don't know. I see a lot of, like, bolt-on services as well. Like, I don't know, more opportunities to market your podcast or just, like, becoming really good at understanding, like, how can you take this podcast and either, pub like, share it or repurpose it or whatever and figure out how to say, like, oh, you pay me and I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that for you. I'll, t I'll use these growth tricks that I have and I'll try them. Oh, yeah. That was another idea I had. <laughs> it was for the show notes. <laughs> Uh, let's say you have people that are paying for this service to like generate the show notes. Yeah. You could, part of the price is that we will 
insert a link back to one of your episodes in a random show notes of someone else's podcast. Oh. Like like basically like a <laughs> like a link ring, right? Sure. So it's like you're part of this service, so everyone that's part of it gets gets their podcast promoted, other people's <laughs> show notes. Right. Oh, you talked about uh Yep. You talked about marketing. Well, check out this podcast about marketing. There's a, I actually heard about that very recently on um, Default Alive. The, uh, I think it's Sparkloop, the um, email newsletter referral software. They just, they just introduced something like this, where if you subscribe to one email newsletter, there's a call to action that's like, oh, if you like this newsletter, you might like these other three newsletters. Okay. And it gives you like one click sign up to these other, to the other newsletters as well. Yeah, so exactly. it's kind of like a co-promotional kind of thing. Yeah, I mean that's it. That's if anybody's looking to market a podcast like this, mm. definitely is enticing. Like, oh, more links to my podcast and mm-hmm. other people's show notes. Yeah, yeah, especially because like I, I at least it, it's been interesting to hear the my first million guys talk about trying to grow the podcast because they share insights that they have with other podcasters who are like growing a podcast is really freaking hard, I, and they're they're trying things and they're a lot of them aren't working. But uh, a lot of it, I've, I think even Rob Walling talked about this, like trying to get, uh, trying to run ads for his podcast on other podcasts. Okay. It's just like podcasters are, uh, if you're a listener, if you're a podcast listener that you're, you really just need a prompt to go listen to another podcast. Right. Um, so these kind of like audio ads for other podcasts work well. And I know that was a trick actually that like Gimlet Media did. They advertised podcast uh, on their podcasts. They would advertise other podcasts that are on their network, right. and that kind of like interlinking uh, was really helpful for growth. That was a hack that they figured out. Yeah, I see a lot of them do that. Hmm. Turns out the, the the channel to market podcasts is other podcasts. <laughs> Who to thunk? All right, so there's a ru- one random business idea. If anybody wants to run with it, go for it. <laughs> It's uh, it's going on my list of things that I will never get around to. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, I had some ideas myself, actually, um, and I wanted to. I mean, it's still very early and rudimentary, but I was thinking about this. So, with the uh, NFT client that I have, we've been using this platform as a service called Render.com, uh, which is cool. Uh, my experience with it has been good. Um, um, like I, I've actually never used it. Could you like summarize? Yeah, yeah, is. totally. So it's um, you know, it's an abstraction over what I assume is AWS or GCP. Um, it uh, its main selling point is that uh, it's super simple, and you define all of your services through one central like um, infrastructure as configuration. So it's one YAML file. You point it at a service, uh, or rather, um like a folder inside of your repository. And then you can say like, this is how you run it. Um, it, You can point to Docker images. There's a bunch of different things you can do. Um, But you can define all of your configuration for your services as one YAML file. And then uh, it will pop up a a constellation of services for you, manage database. Um, It'll pop up a bunch of uh, uh, Docker images with your services running all properly networked. Uh, you get SSL, uh, you can have private services, open services. There's a bunch of different things that you can do. Um, so uh, we've been playing with it now, or I've been using it now for like six months or a little more. And I've definitely learned a lot about it. 
Uh, it's got some interesting features, like some ability, to, the ability to pop up um, these things called preview environments. So if you uh, if you configure your GitHub to work with it on every PR that you raise, it'll pop up a preview environment of your deployed code with a copy of a database, so you can monkey around and and uh, and play with things. It's pretty cool. Um, but it's still a very new platform. Um, maybe it's been around for three years, I think. Uh, and it's definitely got some drawbacks associated with it. Environment management is a little bit of a pain. Uh, you really want to use, it's very useful to use this uh, YAML file to define your environment. But if you want to have a staging environment and a production environment, you can't really do that easily um, because you, you know, if you want to follow 12 factor app, uh, you, you know, your environments are going to have different configuration. That's the point of an environment is to have alternate configurations. So you have different Git commits to represent each environment, which is not really what you want. So, uh, you end up do having to do some complicated merging or some complicated, um, uh, uh, <clears throat> merge, merge conflict resolutions. Like there's, it, it gets a little bit ugly. Um, or I could see it being, uh, you know, especially for large projects, I could see it being complicated to manage and fraught with issues. So um, I've been thinking about this and thought like, you know, I, they have an API, they have a few things. And already, you know, just from my working with this company, I've been thinking like, oh, there's, that's a missing feature that I could build. I could build as an external service. Um, like a, a very simple one is those preview environments that I mentioned, the minimum time that they can be alive is one day. 24 hours. But the problem is that if you raise a PR at like 3 p.m., your environment is alive all night when you're asleep and then all day and then it turns off. But like through their API, you could suspend. Um, you could just say, everyone goes home at 5.30, so suspend all of the running PR instances at 5.30 as a cost-saving measure. Um, and there's a lot of things that you could do here. But I've been thinking about a lot of these things and thinking, oh man, that's kind of interesting. Like I, I could think of a lot of products that would have helped me, but... Part of me is thinking, well, so render is still small uh, because there's so many of these plat platforms as a service. Um, I've been wondering, like, how do I test what, like, the total market or total addressable market might be on something like this? Because, um, like, one thing that it's definitely missing that is sad is it's missing a uh, central marketplace or repository of apps, that kind of thing. Like, it's no Stripe, it's no DigitalOcean. Um, so I've been thinking about. Oh, it'd be kind of nice if it if it had something like that because it could send me traffic. Um, but if the TAM was big enough, if there was like a market that I could capture, then perhaps it wouldn't matter, or at least you know I could get behind it. So yeah, I guess I I was thinking I was going to ask you like when you were working on Power Importer, were you thinking about a a TAM? Was it a calculation you did? Did you do some back of the napkin stuff? Like what were you thinking about? And or is this something you think about at all? Do you care? It was um, <clears throat> it was a very gross estimate like i mean basically like i had you know i had a friend that was trying to build something with yeah. webflow right so like i i knew i when i fixed his problem i realized like okay other people must have this problem and mm -hmm. then by uh, hanging out on slack and in forums i saw that yeah there's there's so many other problems involved in this space of mm -hmm. syncing data into the webflow cms so yeah. so it seemed like that there was you know I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people and i've and I can act, you know, I can contact them. They're right there in the forums. Yep. So then my calculation was just, well, how many Webflow users are there? And that was that was public information that Webflow shared that they have 
back then they were saying they had a hundred thousand customers. Mm. So, so I was like, wow, okay, so I'm able to access people's, but the ceiling is quite high, like a hundred thousand customers. If I, you know, if eventually I grow to one percent of that, that's a thousand customers. Right. You know, that's that's a lot of customers, right? Mm-hmm. You only need a thousand true fans, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, okay, this is the the ceiling is very high. Like mm-hmm. so that was pretty much my only only calculation is like Okay. And and I know that it's growing. So even before I reach that ceiling, like it's probably gonna be at two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. So true. But yeah, but that's that's really the only calculation that I wanted to see is just to know that where am I capped at? Mm. And when I saw that the cap was really high, well, okay. Then it just, it, I go back to just proving that there's a problem and people are willing to pay for the solution. Right. And that I can reach them. So that it goes back to that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking about, um, you know, assuming that the TAM is high enough, um, then it, cause it would be very interesting to just be like, all right, I'm going to, if the TAM was large enough, then to kind of pull out a toolbox of utilities of things that are missing or that would be very useful. Um, it would be cool to be able to say, um, all right, well, you know, if the TAM is enough, then how can I reach these people? Cause I can see there's a forum. Um, it definitely is more of a support forum. Like, oh, I tried to launch this and I'm getting this error or I don't understand this error. Help me. Um, and like, it, it definitely seems active. Uh, like I, I can go on the community page and I can see how many views the, the individual posts get. And like, you know, it's not many. Uh, occasionally there'll be one that, that has like a thousand views or something like that. But, you know, it's in the dozens probably. Okay. So yeah, for general that's post. Not, yeah, that's not a lot. Like, yeah. <laughs> It so I was seem very active. Yeah. yeah. So I was checking things like, can I search for render.com on built with, for example, or is there, <clears throat> is there an IP range that render uses that I can try to do some kind of lookup or something against to try to understand who would be their customers so I could reach out to them. Um, they do have a, I was looking at their main page and they do have like a wall of love. So I was thinking about just reaching out to everybody on their wall of love to be like, Hey, are you, are you a business? Are you solo? What is this? How, what's your, what capacity are you using it? Um, I found a couple people who are built, who are trying to build things. It's not clear where those, uh, where those projects are, but, uh, reaching out to them and saying, and trying to get more details. Who are you? You're using render. How's that been going? Just trying to get a sense of things, but it's true. Like getting in front of these people is tricky. I certainly can't, or well, I don't know about being able to show ads. I have no expertise in that. And even if, even if it makes sense to show that, um, because like I took a quick look at like the search volume, for instance, and I just kind of like put in render.com and was like, are people searching for anything? And like the things that people are searching for are kind of unrelated, (laughs) like the high, (laughs) the highest, uh, the highest keywords are like, like (laughs) shit, I don't want to serve service like free hosting, (laughs) like things like that. Right. Yeah. Like free, free cloud server, (laughs) things like that. Like, okay, well that's exactly who i want to avoid but yeah yeah i there's there's no the render has never shared information of how many users they have that's like you know what this might sound silly but i've never checked that but <laughs> often they like to brag right they like to brag on in a pr somewhere yeah so in a 
PR statement in 20, November 2021, there was a, it said, uh, helped us to grow to tens of thousands of developers who have created more than 300,000 services on our platform, servicing more than 4 billion requests every month. So I don't know what that means. Tens of thousands <laughs> of developers. Like what, what does that, what does that mean? How many, because I know they have a free plan. How many of those, how many of those are free? <clears throat> right. Yeah, that's the yeah. I mean, at least for me, I knew that when cust when Webflow was saying hundred thousand customers, like yeah. they were talking about people who were paying host a site. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh it's not clear that yeah it's not clear that it's a uh that it's a growing market. I mean that's something that uh that, that's something that Rob Walling has talked about before. Like being in a in a growing market is something that is a lot more exciting. Um. Or just more interesting, I suppose, because you can always look and say, like, all right, you know, I'm on a I'm on a a wave that's that's increasing. Um, there's market forces working in your favor, and part of me wonders, like, well, if they're not upfront about, like, why why bother taking the risk? Like, it's true, like maybe there's an opportunity there uh, to to invest and become better, or to you know invest in their ecosystem, but maybe not. So I'm kind of looking at that render.com thing and thinking, oh, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of useful stuff that I'm sure I could build. Um, but yeah, getting in front of people, the distribution of it just seems really is a bit of a mystery to me about how you might approach something like that. Yeah. I mean, because even if you knew what the time was, like it, you're still guessing, right? You, mm -hmm. Like you do the calculation of the back of a napkin. Oh, what if I could reach 1% of that, right? Yeah. But you, you don't know if you can reach 1%, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in this case, like, you don't even know what what problem you'll be solving. Yeah, yeah. Because for me, it's been mostly like, oh, let me look at the spend more time on the forum, spend more time kind of looking at these things to see if anybody matches the the same kind of problem I have. Um, yeah. But yeah, the support forums are well, th that's what they are. They're just support forums. So because okay, that's it for Power Porter. It was okay. I know there's a hundred thousand like Webflow sites or customers. Yeah, and it's growing. So. Okay, that's that's a pretty big market. Mm. So I don't know how many of them use the CMS, right? Because that's the only customers I'm really serving, mm -hmm. and then what percentage of that I can get. So that's that would all be guesswork if I tried to guess, right? But in the forums, I saw like there's like every day people are asking questions about problems they're having with the CMS. So it's like right that you know that's gonna be a good channel for me. So. Mm -hmm. So I'll always encounter new people with the same problems that right. I'm solving. So it was it, it was easier to test. Like okay, I'm gonna I'm just gonna test that. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I see what you mean. Like yeah, because the the they're not like I need a way to sync Airtable to the CMS. They say like no, dealing with the CMS is difficult in general. Yeah, it's like oh, I'm how do I convert Airtable's like rich text to HTML? Like it's like okay, well. Stop trying to do it with Zapier. Like you can't. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah, they were asking how to do it with Zapier, how to have Integromat, mm. uh, and then all the different problems they encounter. How do you set reference fields? How do you set images? How do you set sure. the rich text? Mm. Like they're all, but they're, it's constant. Every day there was there was like a new problem someone was sharing that mm. my solution fixed. Right. Fair enough. So for render, I'd say like you. I mean, try to measure that, but it, it's going to be hard, right? Because like you need to find a what's the one or a recurring problem that you constantly see in the forum mm -hmm. that can become a channel. Yeah. So it could be I don't know, like setting up message queues. Mm. 
in render is complicated. Yeah. Because even if it's a huge market, if there's not an easy way to to reach people when they're having a problem that you solve, mm-hmm. then it becomes a different game that I'm not very good at cold emailing or paid acquisition. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll spend a little more time surfing forums and trying to get, in, trying to get an idea of the level of activity and what people are asking. Um, but yeah, that's... Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to commit to anything with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess the, the tools I saw or, like, the ideas that I had were all scratching my own itch of just, like, stuff happening inside of the platform that make no sense or would be nice to have uh, <laughs> fixes for. But it's true. Like, I mean... I gotta, I gotta see evidence that people are, that other people are also struggling. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, at least identify one problem they're struggling, and then see if you can get them interested, mm-hmm. talking to you about a solution. Yeah. yeah, cool. So yeah, other than that, my my plans now are, um, so in uh, this week uh, I'm doing some traveling, so heading back to Halifax for a few days, and then heading off to Europe for a month. So I'll still be around recording, but. Uh, Finishing up my uh, NFT bot. It's actually funny now because a lot of the ideas that I was having for render are able to piggyback off of all the Slack integration work that I've done. Because now that I understand how it works and I'm able to test it and put it all together, now I'm like, oh, great. I can use all those skills that I learned for like tight Slack integrations for things, things like that. Um, and then as well from my, just from my general crypto work, um, I've, re- I've noticed that there seems to be, or like something that I've been struggling with is, um, being able to create, uh, being able to sign in with a wallet. So like, uh, with all the like web three apps that you, that are all, that all support wallet sign in, it's this kind of like semi complicated, like the backend gives you a message that you sign. And then the backend cryptographically verifies that it was your wallet that signed this message. Um, but if you want to log in to, to your app just using an API client to like test different endpoints, uh, right now the only way that I know how to do that is to like open up the browser, go through the login flow, and then steal the JWT bear token, and then like <laughs> put that into your put that into your uh, your API client, and then you can begin. So it'd be pretty useful if you could just like put a little wallet or something like a private key into your um, into your wall your API client and then automatically be able to say like, oh, I'll use a macro to be like, this is the signed message or, or something like that. Have it be a little bit scriptable. Like Insomnia and Postman are very good at this. Um, so yeah, just being able to like include this like wallet sign-in thing as a uh, as an add-on. Nice. So yeah. for the next month, you're, you're still contracting while you're in <laughs> Europe? Uh, yeah, so I'm still contracting. Um, the nice thing is that because I'm going to be uh, so much further ahead of everyone else, I'll be at least three hours ahead, maybe four. <clears throat> um, then I'll be like, I'll have my mornings completely clear. So uh, the plan is to, you know, do my couple of hours of work and focus on my own projects, nice. get back into my cycle of, of uh, paying myself first. Matt time. Matt time. <laughs> The resurgence of math time. So yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I don't know. Do you have anything else? Nope. That's it for me. Okay. Cool. All right. Should we wrap up? Yep. Great. All right. Thanks a lot for listening. And we'll catch you again next week. Bye. Bye.